Speed Green. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365. Hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! It is a Combine Tuesday morning here on Birds 365. You got John McMullen and Jody McDonald hanging with you to talk Eagles football for the next two hours. And yes, the focus goes to Indianapolis, John, where the Olympics underwear, the underwear Olympics will take place. Uh, Guys running around in shorts and T-shirts and trying to open up the eyes of all 32 organizations, most specific to us, the Philadelphia Eagles And it's kind of an important day because both Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni will meet the media. Not all the media, because some of the media, like John McMullen, are still here in town. But a portion of the Eagles beat guys will be in Indianapolis and get a chance to ask questions at Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni. Before we get specific, just in general, do you think anything really significant, anything surprising is going to come out of either of those two sessions today? Or will it just be kind of <clears> getting the <throat> um, stuff? Yeah, not in front of the camera. Um, you know, I think they're both well-versed enough to keep everything muddied in front of the camera, behind the camera, which is why I'm always disappointed when I'm not out at these types of things. You might get some information. Uh, They might do an off-the-record session where you get some uh, legit information. But I I think it's going to be typical, you know, off-season. I think it's more important for Howie than Nick. Although our buddy Marcus Hayes dropped something today, so I'm sure Nick will get – Nick will get asked about that. So Marcus is out there helping some people. But, you know, the coaching staff and things like that, you'll get questions uh, from that perspective. But, I mean, to me, this offseason is about getting the personnel back up to where we thought it was, to be honest, before uh, last season, uh, particularly on the defensive side. And that's how he sees him, but he's not going to go up and tell you, oh, I'm going to sign a linebacker and free agency and I'm going to draft a cornerback in the first round. I mean, that's just not how it works. So, um, but it, it'll be interesting. Um, uh, and hopefully uh, the guys who are out there can get some interesting nuggets behind the scenes. Now, Nick Sirianni does an off the record session on a fairly regular basis. <clears throat> 
Howie doesn't do that very often, does he? Is is this one of the times <laughs> here when you might be able to get Howie to give you something while not for attribution? Uh, Howie does it every once in a while. But yeah, Nick does it basically once a week during the season. Um, you know, and he's the head coach. So it's, uh, you know, there's more opportunity. That's why I always say for people say, you got to ask, uh, you know, when Howie's there and they do these dual press conferences, you'll notice how he gets more questions than right. Nick because Makes we get sense. to talk to Nick all the time. Um, and that's, we don't get as much access, but occasionally Howie will do something um, behind the scenes, but it, it's not, it's not common uh, as it is with Nick. Uh, here's the question that, again, not sure that it will be answered, but it has to be asked. I have complete faith in those reporters that are out there are going to have their chance. It's the first time Howie's been able to be asked any question since the information that Hassan Reddick was granted permission to go out and seek a trade. Um, we found out afterwards, kind of emphatically from Hassan Reddick, look, I didn't ask for a trade. They granted me permission. It wasn't me going in and saying, hey, if you're not going to pay me, trade me. Um, so he wanted to set the record straight. Um, so it was an eagle-initiated process that they said, well, we can't come to an agreement on a contract extension. Your value on the open market. Well, hit the open market and see what other teams say, and then we'll uh, come back and uh, see where we're at. Um, that's what I'm reading of the situation right now, but no one has said that either. So will Howie Roseman set the record straight and say, yes, uh, it, while in negotiations with, uh, Hassan, we thought it would be best to let an objective third party from outside kind of have a, uh, a feeler at the table to be able to, uh, give us both some guidance as to what it would be like on the open market. Uh, it's a legit strategy. Mm -hmm. Eagles have used it before. Other teams have used it too. Will we get a uh, direct, yeah, that was our idea, comment from Howie Roseman today? No, I, I don't think it'll be direct um, other than, you know, he'll probably confirm they, he'll definitely confirm they requested, uh, they, they gave him permission uh, to seek a trade. Um, he'll definitely confirm that. I do not think he will say in the way you framed it that yeah, we think it's a good idea to let another team set the market for us, even though that's what they're doing. I don't think they like that um, framework of it. So he'll, he'll kind of dance around that aspect, but that's exactly what they're doing. But you never want to admit, Hey, let's let somebody else negotiate our contracts. For us. Um, what, what other, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. What other framework is there? If a son's on record and saying, Hey, I didn't ask for a trade. Well, then it had to be the Eagles saying, "We're granting you permission. We're granting you permission for something you didn't request." How else can well, one it, it, it doesn't it, again from from the Eagles' perspective, you don't want it framed, and and some people will frame it as negotiating, letting somebody else negotiate uh, for them. And then, you know, from the player's perspective, also, you don't want to throw the player under the bus saying, we don't think he's as valuable as he think he is, because um, that's what you're doing. And that's essentially what you're saying. And you don't want to go out in public and say, guess what? He wants too much money. And, you know, you're trying to get something done. Or, you know, in the worst case scenario, it's 
hey, we want to get rid of them. So you don't want to say that either because you want to uh, build up as much trade value as humanly possible. So I don't think it serves any purposes to do it like that, but it's pretty evident just by, <laughs> and they've done it in the past, as you said, and they'll let it stand on that. You you make your assumptions and your assumptions are correct, but it doesn't serve any of his purposes to go out there and say, oh, we 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 don't think Hassan Reddick is as valuable as he thinks he is. No. And by the way, that was before the salary cap went up pretty significantly. That's so, and I, I don't know how many people expected that. I know over the cap originally had that expectation, but they kind of scaled back on it. Um, and, and they walked it back and then it turned out to be true. And they kind of said, damn, we should have kept it up there. Um, <laughs> so I, I do think even people in the league were surprised how much it went up. Um, and that, complicates things further although it gives you more money as well but you want to everything is in budget it's about a whole picture not about one player right and uh that was something that i tweeted last week when i got the cap number and how much it went up and you're right uh, you mentioned over the cap uh, other places with speculating nobody had to decide it went up they all said it was going to increase they were in the neighborhood most were four, five, six million short of what they actually set the cap at. And you are 100% right. Does it give the Eagles more flexibility? Sure does. But guess what? Gives 31 other teams more <laughs> flexibility to do things. So it's kind of a net zero. Um, the ones who benefit from it are guys like, oh, I don't know, Hassan Reddick. I tweeted this yeah. as soon as I saw the increase. I said, write it down. Hassan Reddick is going to get average annual value $25 million this year. Um, the top guys on the defensive edge, save Nick Bosa, who reset the market over the top at 30-plus. Uh, the other guys are all in that 25-26 range, 24-25-26. And Hassan Reddick is one of the top five edge pass rushers in the NFL. So if he's keeping up with those who are getting paid a specific number in the league, there's and the cap has gone up to give teams more flexibility, that's what he's going to get if the Eagles. Uh, yeah, it's, they... a, it's a possibility now. No question about it. I mean, there's certain teams, Tennessee, Chicago, Patriots, Commanders, Colts, all have over $70 million under the cap. They got to spend it somewhere. <laughs> I mean, they, you know, they, they got to spend. They got to spend it somewhere. Um, and yeah, it's a possibility now. And if it does go that high, then there's a real, uh, chance that he's not going to be back. So, um, yeah, it, it, I think it, I think it complicated things more than cleared them up. It's definitely good for Hassan Reddick's bottom line though. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. And, uh, unless, he is going to outrage. We got no idea when that flies on the wall when they've had their negotiating sessions. And maybe Hassan and his side said, we're every bit the player that uh, Bosa is. And we want to get pull on to a uh, same level. Well, that would be a little outrageous, a little ridiculous, setting the bar too high. But if he's at $25 million, John, is that him overreaching in your estimate? Not no, Eagles' estimation. So. John uh, McMullen's no. estimation is 25 an outrageous no, ask? not at all. No. Um, 
not at all. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm always an advocate of the players to get what you can when you can because nobody cares from the other perspective. That's what I said. When Hassan overachieved, outperformed his contract, whatever you want to say, he certainly did. Um, came on a pretty much bargain. I'm not going to say bargain basement. He was paid significantly, but for the production he puts up at a position, the NFL always pays uh pass rusher, whether you, whatever you want to call it, edge rusher, Sam linebacker, whatever label you want to put on it, guy rushes the passer. That's a position the NFL pays. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd ask for 25 million. I might ask for 30 million. Um, so, and that's, where that's why we are where we are uh because that's a problem for uh both sides uh one side is right to ask for it and one side's probably right to pump the brakes and say well let's see what else is out there what we can do can we build a different way can we do things because they got to build a whole defense not just get a pass rush and oh, by the way, you got to keep it in the focus of the Philadelphia Eagles because if yeah, they, he's out there selling himself to every team, and somebody's going to offer him what he wants, and that team would put in a fair offer. And you and I discussed this earlier when the story broke. It's the going rate is probably a second round pick for a guy who's a top defensive edge guy, but has years attached to him, and his son's age thirty. Um, we've had a couple of trades like this within the last twelve to twenty four months. And it's basically been a second round pick. You can hope for and or ask for a high second round pick. Depends on the team you're trading them to because the draft order is set. You'd like to get a top second round pick. You may have to settle for a second round pick. If you get a late second round pick, you might get a sweetener on the back end, the day three pick added to it. That's a going rate. And if Howie's going to just, I have to have a one, you got to get a one, you got to give me multiple picks. Well, that means I don't want to really trade us on Reddick. Then you have an issue. Because if Son goes out and finds a team that is willing to go 25-plus per year, and oh, by the way, they make by industry standards, as judged by Jordan McDonald and John McMullen, who are we? Uh, but the, the, I, I have 100% confidence saying that's the, the going rate, is a second-round draft pick. Um, if the Eagles turn that down, if they're offered that and they turn that down, now you got yourself an unhappy player. Uh, and Hassan's been a good dude, and uh, I think that he has been a leader on this football team. How bad could it get if Hassan Reddick is forced to come back and play under the last year of his contract here in Philadelphia? Uh, I think he's a pro. I think he did it last year. Um, you know, but it wouldn't be great. I, I, you know, and that's part of the reason why the Eagles uh, did what they did, and granted, uh, 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 um, and gave him permission to seek a trade because they don't want somebody who's upset. So they wanted him to go out there and test this market, um, and hopefully come to a more uh, agreeable conclusion. Um, and that's still a possibility. Uh, we'll see how it shakes out, but. Um, I think it complicates it because of the spike in the salary cap, and we'll see if that's uh, the case. But, you know, I think the Eagles were were hopeful of keeping it around 20, um, and I don't know if that's possible now. So, um, you know, if the ball's in their court and it becomes too expensive, uh, I think it becomes even more interesting because, again, you know, the combine is is going on, and, 
They they got a bunch of different avenues, whether it's the draft, free agency, trades, Howiesburg aggressive, but they got to build this defense back up. I mean, they got to build this whole defense back up, essentially. They got some good players up front still, even though they underachieved. But everywhere else, you know, you got some serious decisions to make uh, uh, in the back 70. You got serious questions to make at, at, at cornerback, linebacker, safety, the whole thing, it's, you know, you got to strip it down and build it back up to a certain degree. And they got a bunch of different avenues and they've got to fit it all together. So it isn't just about one player. And one player, I will ask our first guest, Les Bowen's going to join us coming up in a couple of minutes. If the sun thing does come apart and the Eagles decide his market is too high, we can't afford to pay that, or they think that the rest of the league, or specifically the team that would uh, be willing to pay uh, proper in return to trade for him, now all of a sudden they got issues at the, the end. Josh Sweat coming off a less than stellar year. Nolan Smith, that's who I want to ask Les Bone about. He got a chance last year. He Unlike N'Kobe Dean, who almost never saw the field in his rookie season, we had no idea what kind of player N'Kobe was. And then they hand him a job in year two, and he goes ahead and gets hurt. You got a chance to see the 30th pick in the draft last year, and he did next to nothing. How much can they count on him coming into the season? It's got to be at least some. We got Les Bowen's take on that. We'll give you our take. We're here for you for the next hour and change on Bird Street 65. He's John McBowen. I'm Jody McDonald. Appreciate you streaming with us here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. They're carving them up and good play calling along the way. First and goal at the six. On the field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Combine Tuesday here on Birds 365. Mac, Mac, and our buddy, Les Bowen. Uh, if you're looking for Les's insights above and beyond what he gives you here when he joins us on Birds 365, you can get him at his website, lesbowensjohn.com. Les Bowen, are you okay with the fact that you're not going to the Combine? Relieved at the fact you're not going to the Combine? Or kind of antsy with the fact that you're not going to the combine to be able to ask Nick uh, Sirianni and Howie Roseman questions today. Well, see, that's the thing, Jody, that today I would love to be there because, uh, you know, talking to uh, getting to ask questions of, of Nick and Howie in the offseason is a precious opportunity. You don't get much of that. Um, the rest of it I could kind of do without. I don't get excited about guys 40 times. No. I you know, I don't medical care. testing, I mean, which you know, is very important. You do. Yeah. If you ever look at the benchmarks, like the guys that really blow away drills in the combine, a lot of times they're guys that didn't turn out to be great players. I, Tavon Austin ran a great 40. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, but, uh, but yeah, the, the reason you go is to talk to people. And, uh, you know, that's one of the few things the NFL hasn't screwed up yet uh, in terms of media access. Uh, although some teams are trying to do that. Yes. yes. Some teams are, the, the coaches are staying home. Oh, yeah. Because they can get more done at the facility. What the hell are they doing at the facility? It's February. Right the, now. The draft and free it's, agency. It's, it's, it's clearly less. It's clearly about not having the talk. I think Yeah, there's 12 yeah. coaches who weren't on the schedule, 12. And there were six GMs who weren't on the schedule. Now it's always subject to change. I haven't checked it in recent days. If anybody was a last minute addition, but I'm pretty sure those 12 coaches aren't showing up. So you have the interviews with the prospects there. And of course you can watch a taped, interview but you're not asking any questions in that no. setting you can uh you know the agents for the pending free agents are all there and this is where that's the more important part yeah this is where a lot of these deals get done is in indianapolis before two weeks before free agency yes you know uh when you're legally not allowed to talk to to these guys uh so if you're not involved in that i, I just don't I, it's yeah. bizarre to me to go to that length that you have to, like you have a game next week that you have to be at the facility. You know, I, that's just the, one of the strangest things I've ever heard. Yeah. I always get a kick last year. Last year it was TJ, TJ Edwards. What was it? 13 minutes after uh, legal tampering uh, yeah. begun. Um, 
which is an oxymoron, obviously. Uh, he's got a deal done with Chicago. Magically, they just picked up the phone and got a deal done in 13 minutes. Uh, yeah, that to me is the biggest part of it. You got to lay the foundation um, for these legal negotiation. That's what it really is, uh, period. That's where you lay the foundation. So for a GM not to be there, that's just, that to me is a bigger deal than the coaches. Oh, yeah. The coaches yeah. is bad enough, but for a GM not to be there, it's absurd. Um, and things are changing in the NFL, no question about it. But if you were there, Les Bowen, and, you know, what's the first thing you want to ask? I'll say both. Howie Roseman's going to go first, and then Nick Sirianni. Give me the first last bone. What do you want to know right off the bat? Well, you know, I think a lot of the questioning will involve the changes in the coaching staff, but I still want to know what the hell happened in the last seven weeks of the season. I think we all do. I think it's they never happened before in the history of the NFL. And a 10 and one team has never finished like this in the history of the league. What is your explanation for this and how are you going to keep it from happening again and you know aj brown is talking last week on the radio about uh uh players didn't execute it, well that's that's an andy reed answer i mean that's what does that mean why didn't they execute did they just suddenly stop executing at a certain point in this season for reasons unknown to all of us i mean i i still want to know what what happened to this team? Because I think until you get past that, it's really hard to project whether they're going to be a terrible team or a good team next season. Uh, here's a question I would ask. And again, half of these questions, we know we're not going to get an answer and or they're going to be, as you just described them, Andy Reid like answers, answering without answering. How did the process go to decide the fire? The two. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's a Howie question more than a Nick question because Nick was just informed of it and he accepted it, but I don't think it was his call. He supposedly set the wheels in motion by pushing the side upstairs. But what do you think Howie's answer? How do you think he'll dance around? Yeah, Jeffrey and I sat down and we decided we need to accord. Yeah. Other than oh, that'll be, yeah, it, you know, maybe we'll get, you know, uh, we as we watched the final weeks play out, it was evident that you know, uh, things weren't being communicated properly. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you don't, you don't trash coaches after they leave you traditionally in the NFL. Uh, you just trash them behind the scenes. <laughs> right. So I don't know what they'll say exactly, but that's a good, we should all be there. This, these would be, these would be great questions, but, yeah, uh, yeah. Jody has, that's a very good, uh, that's a very good question. How did they come to this? Uh, decision that this was what they needed to do. You know, it, you have, I think Mike Sielski pointed out yesterday in his column, again, going back to AJ Brown, AJ was claiming it wasn't the coaches. So, you know, somebody would, I mean, Mike would have loved to have asked AJ as I would have, you know, okay, how come they fired them then? Uh, if it didn't have anything to do with the coaches. By the way, Les, there's a lot of offensive coaches that were not fired. So, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know about you, but when this first came down, I assumed, and on the defensive side, and first mm -hmm. of all, I think everybody's on board with Vic Fangio. I think Nick's happy with it. 
I think Howie's happy with it. I think Jeffrey's happy with it. So I put Bake Off to the side. That's who they wanted originally, and they finally got him. So I put him off to the side. But the offense is is a little bit more interesting to me because that's Nick Sirianni's Ballywick. Yeah. That's his offense. That's my as long as I'm going to be here, it's going to be my offense. Less until yeah. Jeffrey Lurie tells me it's not going to be my offense. But guess what? The running back coach is still there. Mm-hmm. The offensive line coach, rightfully, is still there. The tight ends coach is still there. The wide receivers coach is still there. Everybody's still there with and the, the offensive guru or whatever he is. Uh, yeah. You know, the, op- the, the overseer yeah. of the offense is still there. Yeah. So the only people gone are Brian Johnson, the play caller, and uh, Alex Tanney, the quarterback's yeah. coach. Uh, who both landed on their feet, Brian and, and Washington, uh, Alex with Shane Steichen and Indy. But it seems to me they say the vast majority of coaches on the offense are doing a really good job. Yeah, And you could argue that. They were top 10 in every meaningful category. Yeah, If, if you kind of look at uh, avoid that one and six uh, finish. But yeah, overall, think, they were top think- 10. So yeah. what does that mean? When you say all these guys are doing a great job, let's bring them back. But let's bring in Kellen Moore. Well, two things. One is that as fans and media speculated all season, you're saying that a big problem was the play calling, the selection uh, of of what you were going to do rather than the preparation of the players, uh, you know, the coaching of the players during the week. The other thing is you're bringing in Kellen Moore. Uh, it's supposedly going to be his offense, and he's getting his quarterbacks, his, you know. Yeah, he got two guys. He yeah, got a quarterbacks it, coach, Doug Nussmeyer, and an analytics guy. Right. Um, so he got, he so got to bring in two guys. It's not like you're just sort of pasting him into Sirianniville the way that the 49ers tried to put Steve Wilkes into uh, uh, the defensive coordinator position and – Go be D'Amico Ryans. Yeah, man. go be D'Amico Ryans. Yeah, they're not quite doing that, but is it is it really going to be Kellen Moore's offense with all of Nick's assistance? That was my it's question. It's going to be something to watch. Yeah. It really, it really yeah. is. It's going to be quite a. It's going to be a story that will be written many, many, many times. I think over the off season and training camp and preseason and early season, you know, as things work out or don't work out. It's, uh, you know, uh, how different is the offense going to be? I don't know. And it's a key question uh, for the Eagles next year, and we'll start analyzing it first practice, certainly first preseason game, and then all importantly when the regular season starts, is it Kellen Moore's offense or is it Kellen Moore trying to run Nick Sirianni's offense? (laughs) John was saying yesterday, as by judging the staff, Sounds like Nick has still got his swag, that it's still going to be a heavy Nick Sirianni offense because they didn't change out the coaches. But I did the research. When Kellen Moore moved from the Cowboys to the Chargers, you know how many coaches he brought with him from Dallas? I do. One, Doug Neusmeyer. All okay. the other coaches on the Chargers uh, offensive staff last year were there, were retained, were there the year before, kind of like the Eagles right here, right yeah. now. Was that an overwhelming success? Um, no. And and Herbert got hurt at the end of the year. Yeah. It kind of throws it uh, out of whack. Um, 
I wouldn't call it a success, but I wouldn't call it a failure either. Right. I, in hiring Keller Moore, you're hiring the five years they put in, the four in Dallas and the one in Los Angeles and the one in Los yeah. Angeles is not the highlight year. But some coaches are like that. I said this to John yesterday. When Doug Peterson got hired to be the Eagles coach, they asked him about his coaching staff, and he said, yeah, whatever you want, Howie. Yeah, he didn't I'm have, good. You're making me yeah. the head coach. I'll Doug take whoever you got for me. didn't those kind of connections in the NFL. No. You know, he hadn't really been in the NFL as a coach that, you know, as a higher level coach for very long. And, and he, he stuck have. with, he crazily stuck with Andy Reid. I always thought that yeah. was the dumbest um, explanation to me, Les, from this perspective. When our, people would talk about Doug Peterson, he, he hasn't had enough jobs. He hasn't been in enough places. What do you want him to be with an unsuccessful coach so he can be fired so he can go meet a bunch of people? It never made any sense to me nope. from a from a logical perspective. If you want to be a head coach in this league, stick by Andy Reid, unless yeah. you're Eric Bieniemy, and there's some other issues that people fail to acknowledge there. But most people get head coaching jobs. Uh, so it would have been crazy. Hey, you know, Andy, I got to go get more experience. I'm going to leave uh, maybe the best coach of the generation. Never made any sense to me. But to Jody's point, it's a different situation. Kellen Moore got scapegoated in Dallas, right? Mm -hmm. So it's it's not his fault. In this situation, it was phrased that Nick had to get fresh ideas, new ideas. You saw it on the defensive side with Vic Fangio, who, you know, Vic was allowed essentially – to bring in a bunch of different guys. Offensively, that's what I thought was going to happen to get the fresh ideas, not the staleness. Yeah. That let's be honest, well, whatever you want to put on, some of those guys have to do with the staleness. I thought the assumption was we got to bring in a bunch of new fresh faces. Yeah. And it turned out to be the exact opposite. It surprised me. To be honest, that's so yeah, a many. Little bit. I, you know, if you go one by one on those now, guys, Stoutland. Well, Stoutland didn't. Aaron me. Moorhead's the only guy there that I really thought was gone. I mean, I don't know whether the tight ends coach did a good job or not. I mean, who the hell knows? You know, um, that's exactly the running back coach. I, the running backs were fine. Swift had a wonderful year. You know, I didn't see any. You know, they weren't running in the wrong direction. They couldn't pick up the blitz real great, but. You know, nobody can. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't, I don't think it's like a giant ticking time bomb or anything, but I, I did think, I did think he'd get a wide receiver. Well, it's wide. not, I would say this, Les, I don't think any of them did a bad job. It's not yeah. like I'm saying they should. I don't think Brian John, I don't think Brian Johnson should have been fired. Okay. Um, I think you have to grow, and Michael Clay's evidence of that. I think young coaches have to grow in a position, right. and if you're hiring young coaches and you don't expect growing pains, that's on you yeah. uh, because it's going to happen. But from the perspective, so I think you know people did solid jobs, but I look at the defensive side. Like D.J. Elliott, nobody knows D.J. Elliott. He was the linebacker's coach. I don't know if he did a good job, bad job. People say they didn't have good linebackers. Is that DJ Elliott's fault? I mean, that poor guy, he had to get, they got Zach Cunningham in August. Right. They got uh, Shaq Leonard, you know, in the season. Oh, go get him ready. Go get him ready to play at yeah. a high level. Who had a tougher job than DJ Elliott? And you had, had other guys like Morrow in and out with injury. Yeah. And yeah, it was, it was chaos. And, 
you know, the thing you had with the defense was, as one of the analysts said, uh, you know, it looked like they were playing three different schemes at the different levels of the That's defense. That's true. That's true. That you have to lay on Desai, I guess, but it also had to do with the chaotic personnel situation. Uh, so I don't know, but yeah, it's uh, there's a lot. You know, if, I was thinking also while we were talking here, one of the things if I were in Indianapolis that I'd be looking to do would be to bump into Brian Johnson or uh, Alex oh, Tan. Yeah. Oh yeah. If they are there, or Sean Desai wearing their new warm ups, Sean Sean Desai's not there. No chance. He's on the Rams. The The Rams Rams don't even acknowledge the combine, let alone show up in it. Let alone a guy who got hired two days ago. He's on. He's on the beach. He's got no chance to be there. You can look for Sean Desai. Where's Waldo? Would be easier to find than Sean. Well, I'd be more interested, really, in Johnson and uh, and Tanny because. The offense is the real problem to figure out, I think. With the defense and what happened with Desai, I mean, I think we kind of understand the defense was horrible, you know. Yeah. And uh, with the offense, I, I don't understand <laughs> at all what happened. And uh, I would love to to delve into that more. But I'm not there, so maybe somebody will bump into them. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, if, if – if, go ahead, Jody. I'll uh, get you to speculate a little bit here, uh, Let's because – uh, it's something we'll, we'll probably never be told directly on or off the record on this one, John. How much say is Fangio going to have in player personnel? Starts today. How he sees it officially starts today with guys yeah. working out at the combine. We got to wait till uh, the new year starts before free agency. They're all doing their evaluations, coming up reports and game plans and everything else. How much is Desai really got gravitas to say, here's a player I need for my defense. Here, Howie, you got to go beyond what you think you spend for this guy. This is the spot that we have to put uh, most of our efforts into. How much are they going to let Desai as a defense mm-hmm. coordinator? Fangio. Yeah. By what I say, Desai, excuse yeah. me, Fangio, thank you. Um, be a, a real loud voice in the room about the moves they're going to make to upgrade the defense. Well, I would hope that they're going to give him a, a big voice. Uh, as long as he's not, uh, you know, trading away Jalen Carter or something, uh, you know, uh, you, you don't bring him in and then say, okay, you, you don't, you don't think you have the right people here, but go ahead and run your defense anyway. You know, um, I would think he'd have a lot of say. And, uh, but that's one of the things that, you know, we haven't laid eyes on Vic Fangio and as an Eagle yet or talked to him or anything like that. So, you know, we don't really know. I guess that's one of the things how he will be asked today. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps. Should be. Uh, Here, here's my here's my concern, because we've mm-hmm. seen this scheme for three years now, Les, at, at yeah. different levels, uh, really good in year two, second in the NFL, really bad in year three. But the same scheme, in essence, different guys running it. Right. Um and we're going to have the same scheme again. And I think it's going to be better taught. And I think the players are going to be better prepared because it's a big scheme mm-hmm. and it's not some disciple trying to copy it. I think that's always the best case scenario. But I got problems with this scheme. Yeah. And a lot of people look at free agents, understandably so. And they look at the draft and they say, I want this guy and I want that guy. We just had a Jalen Ramsey, pretty good cornerback. You should hear Nick Sirianni rave about Jalen Ramsey. Uh, talking about Xavier Howard, Miami Dolphins, two of the best, best press corners 
in in the NFL over the past number of years. They didn't like it. Jalen's out there taking shots. I'll never forgive that guy for how he used us. Yeah. Um, you know, I saw somebody say Kyle Duggar is a free agent who's sort of that modern mm-hmm. hybrid linebacker yeah. safety. They don't use that. They want coverage safeties. So if you're looking at Legereus Sneed, what 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 good is a press corner? If you're going to play quarters and cover two and cover six and yeah. What good does that do you? Why actually you Rasul Douglas 20? is the kind of guy that yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, Why are you spending twenty million on a press corner? Yeah. So I think people uh, buyer beware on some yeah. of these big names. That's a really good good point. But you know, it's it's free agency is going to be fascinating because I was talking to Zach Berman last week, and he was anticipating that all of the the top edge rushers would be uh, franchised. Yeah. He's Turns right. out none of them apparently are going to be franchised from what I'm I reading. I don't know yet. You could try. Uh, well, I read that, you know, the, the Carolina is not expected to uh, to franchise Brian Burns and uh, Jacksonville is not expected to franchise Josh Allen and the Jets are not expected to franchise Bryce Huff. Uh, I don't know why. I, which yeah, the Jets, I don't so I, I expected Allen and, and Burns to get franchised. And there's still time. I think the deadline is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It yeah, could March. happen. But I'm, saying, I'm reading yeah. from people that supposedly yeah. know these things that it's not going to happen. Yeah. So, would you rather have? Would you rather pay one of those guys than Hassan Reddick? I don't know. I. They're going to get more. Yeah. They are. Oh, they should. I mean, that's yeah. the that's the crux of the argument with Hassan Reddick. Is he one of those guys? Yeah. You know? Yeah. He, he was for one year. Uh, and well, you know, it, it, with Hassan Reddick, I think, you know, if you think about his first year here, that's when the Eagles were dominating. They were ahead. Yeah. He's great. When you're when you're winning by 10 points in right. the fourth quarter and he's got his ears pinned back, he's phenomenal. If you're in a tight game and everything's still on the table, not as they good. run at him. Yeah, exactly. If the whole offense, yeah, not as good. So I think he's great, but you got to have him in the right position. And right. he's probably not the most well-rounded edge rusher. No. Um, and neither is Sweat. And that's – can you have those two guys as your dominant – as your guys that get most of the snaps on the edge? I mean, neither one of them can set an edge. Sweat's a guy – you know, what you just said about Reddick applies to sweat and spades. If you line sweat up against a really good offensive tackle, you're never going to hear from him again. You know, he, he feasts on bad players. Mostly. Um, Reddick is a little different. I think Reddick has a little more explosiveness than sweat has. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, By the way, Vic's going to drop Reddick more than uh, JG, maybe even more than Sean Desai, maybe even more than Matt Patricia. If well. he's here. Josh Sweat as well. We'll see about that. And less, John will tell you, I chastised Howie Roseman for not going out and getting Rasul Douglas at the trade Mm -hmm. deadline this year. I thought he'd be a perfect fit for the Eagles. He was available. Bradbury was struggling. I thought he'd come in. He can can play the slot. He's a versatile guy who can play inside and outside. He's probably better outside than he is in the slot, but this was before Maddox came back. 
I don't know how he dropped the ball when they didn't get Russell Douglas, and I think he'd be a fit in the Fangio defense this year with Vic running it. So you and I saw that one the same. Here's my issue with the two Eagle Edge guys who had drop-off years this year. You think it had anything to do with T.J. Edwards not being behind him? That they kind of stuck out a little bit more because you didn't have a tackling machine at linebacker playing behind them like you did the year before when T.J. Edwards was in there? I'll, I'll suggest that that's part of the problem, that I'm not going to drop it all in their two laps and go, oh, my God, they both fell. Why are we getting on Bradbury's case? Because he had a bad year and looked bad. Well, so did the two defensive ends. Yeah, there's the relationship between the linebackers and the defensive end against the run, and the Eagles just didn't do enough to get the linebacker position up the snuff. Right. So that's well, on when The defensive tackles were really tearing it up there uh, for a while. I thought the edge rushers looked fine. You know, they were getting they were getting sacks. Once Hassan Reddick got the cast off his hand and all that, I thought everything was just Jim Dandy with the defensive line for a very limited time. And then when the defensive tackles dropped off, it the whole thing just disintegrated. But you're right. They did not have the linebackers plug in the gaps. Uh, and and it was uh, it was ugly. You know, I I I, I want to rewind to Rasul uh, because I want to connect it to DeAndre Swift and Les was there. So one thing I say about Rasul, and I think a lot of people never really think about, is that I don't know if you remember when Rasul first got here as a third round pick last year. He was one of the nicest kids. He was he yeah. he he just was so engaging. Great backstory, so tremendous. Yeah, and but when he left, he was miserable. I mean, he did not want to be here, yeah. and you know certain things, and that's why I bring it up. And I'm not saying DeAndre Swift is miserable, but I don't think he was happy in this particular offense because I think he could, he thinks he could be utilized more in the passing game, and the Eagles haven't done that. Maybe Kellen Moore can do that. I don't know. But the point is, I think the Eagles have to sell it to DeAndre Swift. Um, however, you were talking about the edge rushers. None of the running backs are getting franchised again. So right. Saquon's going to be out there. Josh right. Jacobs is going to be out there. Derrick Henry's going to be out there. Anybody else I'm missing, Jody? All these Most big game right. backs are going to be out there that are going to generate more money than DeAndre Swift. In theory, that yeah, might, they could end up back here. I see what you're getting yeah, to. Yeah. In theory, but does he want to be back here? Yeah. I mean, I, don't know. I mean, it's his it. hometown, and I think he likes that part of it. Uh, you know, what are the, going to be the changes? How is the offense going to be different? It's a new coordinator. I'm sure he would like to know uh, what Kellen Moore's thoughts are uh, with that. That's a very good point. And the whole running back thing is funny to me because in, in Giants' world, I'm sure Jody's a little plugged into this, being a New York guy. In Giants world, you know, what's going to happen with Saquon Barkley is like the key to their season. <laughs> it is That's a, a bad, bad you know, position he's, to be in. He's uh, getting toward the end, running back, uh, you know, whether he's with the Giants or not isn't going to affect their wins and losses very much at all. Uh, you know, oh. it's – yeah, I disagree with you on that one. I do agree that it's a pretty big deal for them. 
And they can was, find another running back who can yeah, you find another running back. I don't want to. Isn't, I don't that, isn't that easier I said than done? Just go find a running back. It is. Really. I, mean, I, 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 I don't want to build uh, on a running back. I think they've tried to yeah. build on a running back. Right. It hasn't worked. It, yeah. it, it, it just doesn't work. It's nice to have one. You need one in the playoffs. And that McCaffrey guy showed, did a pretty good job uplifting the 49ers, yeah. I'd say. And well, that's McCaffrey the guy, but he's phenomenal. not strictly a running back. He, yeah. And, you know, if, if he were available, he'd be worth almost anything. But – you know, that's the only guy in the league that. But really you know, even Christian league. McCaffrey, you have to be in the right spot. Right. Christian McCaffrey was in Carolina. He didn't mean anything. They're still great player, right. best player. I mean, they're not ready. Um, it's great to have a great running back when you have a great roster and a great team. It's yeah. great, but you saw it in San Francisco. Um, but when you have a bad team and a bad roster, and you're trying to build on a running back. Yeah. The Giants have already been down that road. Turn the page. Yeah. Turn the page and start building the right way. I would Agreed. argue yeah. with the right. Giants. And with the, as you mentioned, three guys, uh, top running backs in the league who aren't going to be franchised this year. It doesn't really change DeAndre Swift and or any other running back's position because of those three teams. Who's the guy who they're just going to elevate and make their number one back? Tennessee? I don't think so. Raiders? I don't think so. Giants, I don't think so. None of them have the great young back that was being held back behind the veteran yeah. thousand yard rusher. So guess what? The Giants, the Titans, and the uh, now uh, Raiders are just added to the list of teams that are going to be in the mix. For you think you're going to just DeAndre swap running Smith. backs all around? Yeah, that's that. I guess that's possible. possible. I think you can draft one in the second round, you know, and and be just fine. But if you're Kansas City, you can draft one in the seventh round. Yes, you just can. Fine. Yeah, one from Vineland. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't count on that, though. Yeah. But yeah, I expect the Eagles' leading rusher to be TBD, Lesbo, and to be determined. And I think the most likely scenario is it's going to be a draft pick and probably a day two, maybe that third round pick, that third round compensatory pick. But you got to get it right. You got to evaluate correctly. Right. Um, and that's easier said than done. But yeah, I don't think the Eagles want to pay that position. No, they definitely don't. Yeah. And I'm kind of with them on that, you know. Fresh ideas, though. Does that change? Does that include Howie Roseman? Did they come off last season less and say, all right, we got to pay, we got to pay a little bit more attention? DeAndre played well, so I don't think it's about mm -hmm. running back, but certainly linebacker. All linebacker and safety. Yeah. I think the league has changed. A lot of their ideas are the same, you know, Joe Banner, Andy Reid ideas from 15 years ago about what defenses, what you prioritize in a defense. Problem is offenses have changed so much and the middle of the field is so much of a bigger deal now than it was 15 years ago. I think I think Andy has certainly made that change in Kansas City, but yeah. I don't think Howie has. I think they do need to. I, I've been very critical of the way they handle linebacker. I don't think you need to draft a linebacker in the first round. Although drafting twenty second, it wouldn't. You know, there's probably a linebacker that could be twenty second overall. I don't know, but not this. You year. need to no. find no. good Most ones. Years. You can't just. The way Howie has approached this for several years now is kind of whatever shows up, you know, if 
if somebody uh, gets rid of a safety or a linebacker and you're in training camp and you pounce, you know, but otherwise you're just throwing out there whatever you found in unrestricted, you know, undrafted free agency. And, you know, some years you've got TJ Edwards and some years you've got Alex Singleton and some years, you know, it's, uh, it's, yeah, well, I was looking, you know, it's funny. I was doing a sort of Fitz miss thing for uh, SI about free agency. And I, I was looking at the linebackers and I'm saying to myself, all right, what's an Eagles linebacker? And I saw Tyrell Dotson from Buffalo who mm-hmm. played because Matt Milano got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and he played really well. Um but he's undersized, he's fast, he's quick. You know, he'll probably get a one-year, two-year deal. Very cost-effective. I said, that's an Eagles linebacker right there. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, I don't know if they go above that. And I go back and I hate... Now, supposedly, they were in on Drew Tranquil last year and he ended up winning Super Bowl. Uh, with Kansas City, he could have helped, but I don't think he's a dominant player. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people look at Josie Jewell because he worked with Vic Fangio in Denver. A lot of people look at the kid in Tennessee, Al Shire, because he worked with yeah. a new linebackers coach, but I think he'll be too expensive. Um, they got to do something though, and well, they and- also need to address it again in the draft. You know, the last real draft pick they used there was Davion Taylor. He's yeah, gone. Davion. So, yeah. um, you know, that's, that's part of the problem is, you know, they, that was their, their third. Well, round. Nicobe, Nicobe, they, uh, 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 so. Right. Other they, than Nicobe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they have to get, Nicobe. yeah, they have to get it right. They have to, Nicobe has to be, I think we talked about this previously, but, when Howie gave his one postseason uh, uh, press conference before this, I was a little bit surprised at the way he came down to, you know, Nicobe Dean waving the Nicobe Dean flag. Oh, yeah. Clearly they expect, you know, they're going to have a leadership turnover on defense uh, with the most prominent leaders either not being back next year or taking any, maybe in Brandon Graham's case, a ceremonial role almost. Uh you know they're they're pinning a lot on the Kobe Dean, and I know he's been hurt, but when he hasn't been hurt, yeah, I haven't seen much. Yeah, not I, a big sample size. He hasn't it been bad, bad, but he hasn't been bad. good. No. I, you know, yeah, I, Just I, kinda... there's a lot pending there. That's for sure. You know, and can he be healthy? Uh, which yeah. has been my question. If you've seen the guy, you know he's not. He wouldn't be a real big safety. I don't think. You know. And if if you don't think it was planned when Harry Roseman had his only uh, speaking engagements since the season ended that he specifically dropped Nicobe's name, he almost pulled a Sirianni. John and I have fun with this. Just every once in a while, Sirianni will go to a player. Won't necessarily be asked by, yeah. about a player. He'll be asked about something else. And he'll weave the conversation over to uh, sing the praises of a player. Yeah. yeah the unprompted. Yeah. The unprompted. Yeah. Trey Un- Sermon, bring up. Just bring Trey out of the Out of nowhere. Quez yeah. Watkins, out of nowhere. How he kind of did that with uh, N'Kobe yeah. and Zach Cunningham. 
He kind yeah. of went over the top, and you know, Zach had a really good year for him. Yeah. And okay. I didn't yeah. get he, that. Didn't, I... he didn't light the scoreboard up. Let's not no. overstate it here. No. But he made Zach Cunningham sound like, wow, he's a key contributor for us, and we'd be lucky to have him back. Uh, so how he is, he's setting the table for, don't get your expectations up too high about me being overly That's why I said Tyrell, Tyrell Dotson, baby. One year, five million. Go yeah. get him. But they do have some cap space now, especially with the cap going up so much. Yeah. And I think there's some easy ways for them to create even more space, you know, by redoing some deals. Uh, It's not a matter of not having money. If they don't spend the money, it'll be because they don't like what's out there at the price. You know, I I don't think it's they always spend money. In, in in terms of actual cash spent, they're always yeah. at oh, the yeah. top of the league. Uh, but, you know, if they don't come away with top echelon free agents, it'll be because they don't like them, I guess. I don't know. All right, let me ask each of you guys this question uh, because you've got a good grasp on it as Eagle Beat guys. Um, trying to judge how much the powers that be, that would be Howard Roseman, Jeffrey Laurie, judge – the criticism they may be getting from both the media and Eagle Nation fans and and guys who cover the team. This is one that could come back to bite him in the butt because I think Jeremiah Trotter is going to be available in the second round. Yeah. He's not going in the first, last you said earlier. Maybe there'd be somebody in first. There's no linebacker that deserves to go in the first 22 picks in the draft this year. My evaluation, we'll see if it actually happens. Trotter's not going in the first. He's going to be available for them at least for their first second round pick and maybe both of their second round picks. If they pass on him twice and then he goes somewhere else and becomes a uh, big time linebacker, how much critique are they in for? Will they factor that in at all in their evaluation of Jeremiah Trotter Jr.? I would not if it were me. I mean, I don't think that's a that's something that you really worry about in terms of your evaluation of a player. Either he's somebody you want at that spot, you know, uh, or he isn't. Uh, whether people are going to criticize you or not is, yeah, you can't be worried about that. I am. I'm a little bit leery of Jeremiah Trotter Jr. in that there would be so much pressure on him here to live up to that name. He's not as he's not 260 pounds like no. his dad was. No, or, no. The no. game has changed dramatically. Jeremiah Trotter couldn't cover me, you know, in his prime. I mean, but he didn't need to. Uh, it was a different game. Yeah, that was he was drafted in the 1990s. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, you can't do business like that. Yeah, to answer Jody's question, you can't do business. I joked you know, if you left it up to the fans, they draft Jeremiah Trotter Jr. They'd sign John Runyon Jr. They trade yeah. for Asante Samuel Jr. Yeah, you can't do business right. that way. Right. Um, if you like the player, you draft him. We we did our conference call with Daniel Jeremiah. He's got him as a third round pick. Yeah. Um, if the Eagles are in the same boat, you know, you start thinking about him there. Uh, maybe they like him. Maybe they don't like him. Maybe they like another linebacker better. But yeah, you got to stick true to your evaluation and not get all warm in the cockles of your heart because the name says Trotter. Um, and and you bring up a good point, Les. 
maybe there's they'd be more pressure on him in Philadelphia than anywhere else to yeah. live up to his father's um um reputation. So I agree with you there. Uh last one for me at Les Bowen, the great Les Bowen, I will say. Les Bowen Sean, if you want to check out, I'm sure he'll be writing something about the combine. Nick Suriani and Howie Roseman speak today. Yes. Your old buddy Marcus Hayes uh, wrote a column this morning. I had to. Yeah, he loved the hand grenade in there. Yeah, throwing it, throwing a little bit, throwing a log on the fire. Love Marcus. Um, about Nick Tr- Sirianni treating people differently. Jalen was he talking about Nick or is he talking about the other coaches or or the coaches? No, he's talking general. about Nick and the coaching staff. So both. Yeah. Um, Starting with Jalen and AJ, I, you know, I, I always think of a Jimmy Johnson quote. It was a great quote to me. Um, and Jimmy said basically to his players, I'll treat you all fairly, but I'm not treating you all the same saying, you know, look, Emmett Smith is Emmett Smith. Right. He, he, he's got, you know, isn't that, doesn't everybody do that? Yeah. Like Jalen Hurts so. is the quarterback. AJ Brown's the star. And uh, it- it, it kind of struck me as these guys that said this to Marcus after the Arizona game. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. And then whenever he talked to the second guy, um, this is what happens when you lose. Yes, yes. It it wouldn't be a – I'm sure they didn't treat them any differently the year before when they went to the Super Bowl, you know. This is the kind of thing people notice when things aren't going well. Could they have handled some guys better? I don't know. I I mean, you have this, and it kind of runs head on into what A.J. Brown said about, I was just mad that guys weren't doing their jobs. You know, if A.J. is one of the guys that was never criticized, well, first of all, what are you criticizing AJ Brown for? Right. My yeah. questions. What did he do? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I did he not block well enough? I don't know. I, it just seems like the kind of stuff that comes out when when teams are go bad, and that's one of the things they have to address. I'm not minimizing it in the sense that they have to get this thing back together and get these guys back together, uh, pulling on the same oar. And, uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I, I was surprised to see that. I sometimes have a naive view of professional sports. I think maybe I would hope that I would be smarter than to run around, you know, saying things like that about, you know, when it's just, you know, there's 
That was Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, no offense, but if you're a backup wide receiver and you're worried about the way AJ Brown is getting treated, I mean, it, 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 either become AJ Brown, the same thing will happen to you in any city. That's kind of my perspective. Yes, yeah, star players get treated differently. Guess what? That's what happens in, in yes. professional sports. Right. The Jimmy Johnson quote you gave, uh, I remember the player that uh, got that quote, Kervin Richards. <laughs> was their backup running back at the University of yeah. Pittsburgh, and he fell asleep at a team meeting. Yeah. And they said, Kervin, hey, grab your bag. See you later. Bye. Go. So Jimmy was asked, would you have done it if Emmett nodded off? And Jimmy's response was, he's Emmett Smith. Yeah. Of course not. Yeah. There are different yeah. – if you don't think there's a totem pole in every National Football League locker room and they're treated differently, you're kidding yourself. Yeah, I, I, I love Marcus, but I'm not sure that I buy into uh, – the, the, the well, and that, Marcus is just giving you information that he was told by right. a, a Kerwin. Is was a Kerwin? I don't even remember who that was. Richards, Kerwin, Swerving Kerwin Richards, Kerwin Richards, Richards. Um, you know, yeah. If you think you're going to be treated the same as Emmett Smith. Uh, you know, I mean, there's no self-awareness there. Wake up and smell the coffee. Yeah, yeah that's not going to cut it. All right, Les, we've had you on for a long time. I got one more question for you. It's quasi-eagle related. Who will have the bigger role as a NFL analyst in-game or studio booth this upcoming year? Jason Kelsey or Bill Belichick? <laughs> oh, boy. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, you know. I would probably rather listen to Kelsey myself, but um, that's a good, you know, I've been struck by the fact that I guess Belichick's son put it out there that he's uh, looking for. Looking to do TV, yeah. And you haven't heard any network jumping in there and and grabbing him. Just like NFL teams. Yeah. yeah, Maybe he wants too much autonomy. (laughs) This is going to be fascinating to see. Uh, I, I you know, I, Kelsey's a more colorful personality and yeah. uh, more of an everyman type. Uh, I I would go with him over. Bill Are we going to get Kelsey news, by the way, Les? Should have asked that. We, I, I know we kept you way too long. This is when it usually happens at the combine. The one year yeah. how we did the podcast, the, the one year Nick's talking about buying him the keg um, well, to is, get him to come back. I think this has to be tough for him. You know, unless you win the Super Bowl, there is no good way to retire. I mean, last year, you're three points away from winning it all, so you convince yourself that you're going to come back and and get it done this year. Then now, all of a sudden, you're retiring off a horrible finish. Your final memories are terrible. You know, you're taking the uniform off for the last time after an atrocious playoff loss. there's a push to, you know, wouldn't you like to wash that out of your mouth, you know, and have a, a real, but unless you win the Super Bowl, you just kind of keep doing that year after year after year after year. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I guess he is going to retire. I, I don't really know, but uh, that'll be a huge problem for the Eagles on the field. I mean, that's the next guy up is is probably a decent player, Jurgens, but yeah. Jason Kelsey's and he can bring in John Runyon uh, Jr. to play guard. 
Think of yeah. it that way. Move, move Cam Jurgens, yeah. John Runyon Jr. There you go. Going to become a domino effect. You can replace Kelsey, but then you got to replace Jurgen. How do you replace Jurgen? Well, you got to replace. Right. Yeah, that's the issue. Uh, less good stuff. We appreciate it. Whenever you come good on, check out his website. That would be lessbowensjohn.com. When he's not here with us, you can get all the less insight uh, reading them on his website. Last thanks for doing it with us today. Thank you, Les. Les Bowen, uh, former Eagle. Big guy still on top of the Eagles day in and day out. And uh, good whenever he comes out with us. All right, Mac and Mac, quickie timeout and come back. I got one or two things I want to run by John before. Uh, Caden Steele is going to join us. Yeah, He's- debut, NJ.com, baby. Little, little uh, colleague of uh, Chris Franklin. What show is this? Number seven what, Jody? 7-Eleven. Uh, we're uh, convenience store day. 7-Eleven. There's only going to be one 7-Eleven, John. We all have 7-12 tomorrow, and at some point, 1,711. There will never be another 7-Eleven show here on Birds 365. Should get a Slurpee. Should have had Slurpees. Slurpees uh, for uh, all. Um, and Caden Steele is, uh, we'll find out if he's the um, Cam Jurgens of uh, Birds 365. At some point, is he going to step in for Chris Franklin over there at ooh, NJ.com? Ooh. It's nice to have depth. But Chris has got a lot of years left, man. You think Chris so? A lot you think of so? Left. I hear he's thinking about retirement. That's just the, the word. I he was got. on vacation. He's out in Indy. He's, he? he's doing the indie thing. Hopefully he gets a good question in for Harry Roseman and or Nick Sirianni. All right, Mac and Mac coming back with more Birds 365 in just a second. Stay with us. Oh, Let me tell you, Eagles fans, here's your chance to save up to 40% on your car insurance right now from one of Jacob Sports' great partners. Here's what you need to do. Call managing partner Jim or Fran and tell them you're a friend of both Jacob Sports and Birds 365. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, managing partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Appreciate you staying tuned. Caden Steele from NJ.com. Newbie. Never had him on the show before. Looking forward to talking to him coming up in just a couple of minutes. Um, do want to give thanks to a couple people on our uh, stream here, John, which uh, I, I'm the guy who would uh, mention the stream guys and the like, and you guys seem to have a good enough time for yourself talking back and forth. So we don't bring up as some of the other shows here on Jacob do, uh, but uh, we do appreciate you just the same. I got to give a couple thanks uh, to those who did check in. Someone reminded me, oh, Karina, Jody, one of these days you're going to remember that read. I, I <laughs> As we went to break, I had to go scrambling for I got it up in a uh, cabinet over my broadcasting outlet spot and had to pull it down at the last second. You're right, Karina, I didn't remember. Got it. Grabbed it just in time. Good job by Xander throwing it up there and making me do the live read. So Karina noticed he's someone who's paying attention. I, we love our streamers who pay close attention. So Karina, thanks for that. And there's one other guy I got to thank. John Bell. John comments on the stream a bunch. And the only question I would have for John is, why do you stream us? Why do you watch us? Why do you let? He doesn't like anything about the show. He is always critiquing you and I and our guests and our content and what the hell are we talking about? John, I got to thank you because you're basically here every day and you're always saying something, something negative. John's a Philadelphia guy. I guess that would not be good for AJ Brown because he thinks the media's job is to be supportive of the team. They're not supposed to question the team or, uh, critique the team. You're supposed to get out the pom-poms and lead and cheer. Uh, well, John doesn't subscribe to that. John thinks, hey, I can critique. I can criticize anybody I want. You're right. You can, John. Not that I'm going to change anything because of your critique or, or your position on the show. But I just have a wonder if it's just something like this, whether you are or aren't going to pay attention to a given show in any broadcast medium. 
if you really don't like it, why are you listening? This harkens me back to John's explanation to me about the quarterback list that came out. And I said, I can't, how the hell do you have Jalen Hurts behind Anthony Richardson? How do you have him in the second half of the NFL's quarterbacks at number 17? And John's response was, Jody, there'll be another list along in 10 minutes. Maybe you like that one better. Don't sweat it all that much because you'll, you'll find one that you like better. I don't know what John Bell does by streaming into us every single day. He seems to dislike yeah. everything I'm, that we I, do. I, I, I would say troll. Don't give the trolls an air, uh, I would say. Uh, the one, he's the one guy, I think he mentions three, four every day. Like, you know, he thinks he's uh, equipped to program the show, and he's so clueless to modern football. He's still talking about three fours every. It's a three four. It's a three four, Jody. Um, yeah, I I would ignore people like that. That would be my recommendation. Uh, he, uh, I did. I wanted to thank Karina for pointing out that. See, now that's a criticism I'm willing to take because I did. I forgot to live read, and if if I'm not reminded, I usually do forget it. So that's a uh, mea culpa. That's on me. I snuck it in there. Thank you, Xander, for handling it just perfectly and me being able to scramble and find it. We'll take criticism, but every once in a while, you think we get one right? And uh, John Bell never seems to find anything that we do right and or acceptable, which uh, uh, that's fine. Everybody is allowed their opinion. I'm not going to deny anybody their opinion. I would just have one question for you. Then why do you continue to watch? If you think it's as bad as you do with your commentary every single day, I'd put out, there's got to be a good cartoon on TV somewhere that you can watch that's more entertaining than Mac and Mac. But if you care about Eagle football, I have no idea. Um, I'll ask you the question. I asked uh, Les about the TV um, possibilities coming up this year. I've done a 180. I'd said all along, I thought that Jason Kelsey was coming back. I thought people overreacted to how he handled himself after the last game of the season when they lost, got beat by the ball. What's he going to do? Not hug his teammates? Because that might send the wrong message to the observing media members who are there. No, of course he's going to bro hug everybody. So I didn't necessarily believe he was going to walk away. When Jordan Mailata continued to beat the drum of, hey, he's not coming back. That started to worry me. And then when he did the Chris Long podcast of the Eagles, the Eagles, the Eagles, the Eagles, the Eagles never said we once. That really concerned me and kind of probably pushed me over the edge. It's a yay-nay thing. Is he coming back or is he not coming back? And I went from yay to nay. He has already talked to major broadcast outlets about a potential media gig last year. But Belichick, Belichick as great as Jason Kelsey is, and we have him on a – a pedestal here in Philadelphia that nationally just doesn't have you played for the Eagles. You think Belichick's going to get a major TV gig? His personality doesn't seem like it, but we've had, you remember, we had yeah, Gary Myers, man. Yeah. I, I always hear that about Bill. I've heard it from more than Gary. He's got a really good personality. He just doesn't show it. Um, as a coach because he didn't want to show it as a coach. Now that would have to change on a television broadcast. I don't know if he can do that, if he can turn on a dime, but he would have to show a different side of himself. The problem is when you talk about Kelsey and obviously Kelsey's uh, uh, 
we already know is his reputation, his personality. He's just a, a very engaging guy. He's got his own podcast. He does a tremendous job with it. Uh, Tom Brady's coming along too. Um, so, I mean, it's a bad year to get involved. Um, I'm sure he'll get involved in somewhere, maybe in a studio setting, I would think more than um, as one of the four or five talking heads than uh, color commentary. I would think the studio would be better for Bill, but, um, you know, I'm just spitballing. Uh, but, yeah, you're coming in. If Jason does retire, and I expect him to retire, Tom Brady's coming in as well. Tom's phenomenal, by the way. Um, you think he's going to be really good? I, I don't know because, I mean, Greg Olson is tremendous. I didn't see that coming. Um, so it's not like it's different roles. Like, But when he's on with, and I brought up that Steve Young podcast, when he was talking about modern quarterback play, he boiled something down that I've been trying to explain for three years in five, basically five minutes. Um, unbelievable as far as because he might be the best to ever do it. So he can explain it better than anybody else. Is that going to translate? It's a little bit different, but I know he's got I know he's got something to offer. He's going to be better than Greg Olson. I don't know. People thought Tony Romo was great right up until they thought he stunk. So, you know, we got you mentioned a troll on our streams. There's haters all over the place. Oh, it all yeah. all depends. Phil and people will hate, you know, Cowboys fans will hate Jason Kelsey as in Engaging in personality he is just the way it is. Uh, I was a Phil Sims guy. I thought that Sims was well above average as a uh, football color commentator, and he was Nance's uh, sidekick for the number one job on CBS. And he just got, I firmly believe, I asked you the question before about the Eagles um, and making decisions because of what the fan base says or what the media says. Do you have to tone just the deaf ear to it, or do you actually – uh, let it factor into your thinking. I firmly believe that CBS did that with Phil Sims. There was such a hue and cry from the fans, social media, that Phil Sims wasn't good, terrible, got off. And I thought Phil was fine. I thought he was very good. But they ran his ass off uh, the number one team in broadcast to put Tony Romo in there. I thought it was just flat out wrong. So I think in broadcasting, there is a little bit more taken into consideration because you're appealing directly to someone to say, hey, watch our broadcast because it's that good. Um, but as I've learned from my partner, John McMullen, the NFL broadcasts are idiot proof. People go watch anyway. It doesn't matter who the hell you put up there. That's they got to turn it in record numbers. So I'm not sure why they overreact to the way fans look at things. All right. These McMullen on McDonald, Mac and Mac Birds 365. We got a newbie joining the show. We've never had the pleasure of adding Caden Steele from NJ.com. Join us before. Looking forward to talking to him next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. 
With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. John McMullen, Jody McDonald here with you on Birds 365 for the first time ever on Birds 365. What were we thinking not having them on the first 710 shows we did? Uh, <laughs> Caden Steele from NJ.com going to jump in and talk some birds with us for the next uh, 25, 30 minutes. Caden, how are you, buddy? How's your offseason going? Going well. Glad to be here with you guys. You know, always a big fan of the show. So to be here, you know, on the 711 show, you know, is an honor. So 711. Yeah, we're going to get you a Slurpee, Caden. Uh, <laughs> uh, I said I, I saw some stuff Caden was doing over at NJ.com. Everybody should check it out. I said, well, we got to get Caden on. Um, so here it is. I guess we'll start with your latest, and that's uh, rebuilding the secondary, because I was talking about that. And obviously, I, I think, you know, people talk about Vic Fangio. We're going to talk about Vic because he did a nice piece on him as well. Um, but, I mean, we've seen this scheme for three years, different people running it. But I, I think we got a, a firm grasp of, of the style of defense he wants to play. And you mentioned three different ways you can rebuild the secondary. I I, I do think... You got to be very wary. I, I think Eagles fans are excited about go get Legarius Sneed. Do you really want a, a press corner in this in this scheme? You just saw Jalen Ramsey complaining about how he was used in Miami along with Xavier Howard. 
What's your philosophy when you look at the three ways to build this secondary? Yeah, I think uh, the top way that they should build the secondary, and I think it's funny that they haven't drafted a cornerback in the second round since 2017. And look, they've gotten Darius Slay in the trade in 2020, and and that worked. But before Darius Slay, for was it, since Lido Shepard, they didn't have a number one corner for a long time. And you got Bradbury. We don't know what's going to happen with him and Slay. Um, you know, it's getting up there in age. Uh, in my perspective, I think, that, you know, at the top with it, they could do it. They have three picks in the top, you know, 60, three, you know, top picks where there's a, it's a really good corner class and it's a really solid safety class. And I think um, that would be, you know, the first way I would rebuild the secondary. I wouldn't go spend money on a luxurious need, like you mentioned, John, or um, any of the other corners after him. Honestly, after luxurious need, there's not much out there, you know, in this corner market, it's not very strong. So I think, you know, going through the draft would be uh, my number one option. We're using that 22nd pick on whether that's Kool-Aid McKinstry or Cooper DeGene or any of those corners, Quinion Mitchell, who falls. And then the second round, um, you know, there's going to be opportunities, you know, to get a really good, you know, slot corner, potentially. Uh, Mikey Sandstrell from Michigan. We don't know what's going to happen with Avante Maddox. Uh, people talk about Isaiah Rogers, but. He doesn't really play slot. He's mainly played on the outside, and we don't know whether his suspension is going to get left or not. So nickel's a need. Um, safety is going to be a need, and there's going to be safeties there in that second round. So I think you give Vic Fangio an opportunity to pick his guys in the draft, and you hope that Vic, you know, part of the reason that he was hired, you think, is because there will be some stability there. Like have him here for five, six, seven years. He's back home, closer to home. Let him get some young guys that he can develop and he can groom into, you know, potential Pro Bowl and all four players. I don't think going out there and spending money on, you know, the high-priced name is the way that this team should attack this secondary. It needs to just get younger and younger. And LeJerry Sneed's a great player. But like John, like you said, I don't know if he's a scheme fit. So right now, I think right now the number the number one way is just going through the draft. Um, and number two is just you draft multiple defensive backs. Why not tra- try carpet to Carpet bomb it. Yeah, yes. carpet bomb it. The more chances you take, the more likely you're going to hit on one or two players. And I don't see I, – I wrote – and I think I've been so impressed by what the Chiefs have done with Trent McDuffie and Snead and Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams and Brian Cook. Yeah. They've drafted so many defensive backs over the last four years. That's one of the reasons they have some the best secondary in the league. Yeah, they signed Justin Reed but, and Mike Edwards back there. But they've they supplemented with a few veterans. But for the most part, they've gotten this young secondary underneath Steve Spagnola. And I think – Vic can have similar success if you give them the right pieces. All right. Two questions then. If your philosophy is it's got to be youth, which is fine. And oh, by the way, I don't think Legarius Sneed ever becomes available. I think she's going to franchise tag him, but we got to wait and see. We got another week before that becomes official. Um, Job, Ricks, Ringo, three relatively young guys, one a year younger than the other two, but all of them are considered young, no more than two years in the league if one of them is going to step up and wow Fangio in camp and be great and force his way into more playing time assuming health for everybody somebody gets hurt yeah you're going to be handed playing time you're going to jump in inside like some of them did this year rank those three for me best chance to be a breakout corner for the Eagles in this upcoming year Ringo uh, Job and Ricks yeah, I think first I would go with Ringo just because 
I think physically he has all the physical tools. He didn't drop to the fourth round last year because he couldn't run and because he didn't have those traits already. And I think we saw flashes last year where he looked pretty good at times as a rookie and he looked aggressive and, you know, tackling and he was flying around the football. I think he's got the best chance to develop into a long-term starter in Philadelphia. And I wouldn't be surprised, you know, maybe not next year, but maybe year three, he takes that next step. I think number two for me would be Eli Ricks. I, I was impressed by him at times last year, but I also think there's a reason he won't undraft it. He ran a slow 40 at the combine. He's not exactly the fastest corner in the world. I think he's got good ball skills and good instincts, but I think those physical limitations could make him more as a, a good, you know, cornerback four or five, like a nice backup that can come in and, you know, play, you know, you know, when he needs to. And then number three is Josh Job, who, you know, this is not to say anything against him because I think Josh Job is a really good special teams player. And I think he could play, you know, a little bit. He came in that New England game, played a few games last year, but I think he also struggled, you know, at times last year. So those are the, you know, in three, I think, you know, Ringo's the guy I have the most confidence in. Um, is it crazy, Caden, to say essentially run it back? at cornerback and from the perspective of James Bradbury for a couple reasons. One, I don't think anybody's going to argue he played poorly last year. I don't think anybody's going to defend that, but there are extenuating circumstances. He was moved around a lot. We all kind of raised our eyebrows when Sean Desai's talking about playing him in the slot and training camp. He said, what, what, what do you mean playing him? That makes no sense. Then he did it, you know, out of necessity, they had to use about eight different slot corners because of injuries and all the other issues. Um, and then if you look at James Bradbury's history, he's been sort of an up-and-down player. He has a bad year, has an up year. Has a bad year, has an up year. Had a bad year, maybe he has an up year. Was a second-team All-Pro. He's a pure zone corner. We just talked about Vic Mangio. He's going to play him on the right side. He's not going to move him. Just play pure zone. He's a very instinctive player. Um, he's a very smart player. He's a very savvy player. Um, Abonte Maddox as well in the slot. Yes, you got to roll the dice injuries. You mentioned Isaiah Rogers. I think we all know that the, the suspension is going to get lifted. He did play outside in Indianapolis, but his framework, that's because Kenny Moore was there. His framework is better set inside. Maybe he works out. Is it crazy to say, you know what, too big of an issue to cut James Bradbury because of the contract. Let's run it back one more year, at least at cornerback. Is that crazy? I don't think it's necessarily crazy because I think under Vic Fangio, we've seen him have success with a lot of different corners. I think it's possible that James could resurrect his career in some sense, but you mentioned the back and forth. And yeah, that's true. He's been like that in the last year with the giants, he wasn't that good. And then he was an all pro then last year, but now he's over 30. So taking that risk and bringing him back, there's no guarantee he's going to have that bounce back year. No, again. No, and, yeah. and I think that is, that is the worry. But if you're worried about the contract for people out there that you know, believe that James Bradbury is definitely gone. I don't, I don't believe that's the case. I think there is a scenario where he does come back and play well, but I wouldn't do it personally. I would try to go the youth movement. I would eat the contract for, you know, what it is right now. I'd post you want it, you know, pay for, you know, some of it next year and eat the rest later because from my perspective, um, you know, this team currently, the way it's constructed going into next year, they aren't going to be, you know, the top of the NFC as the Super Bowl contenders. I, I, it's more of a transition year. 
in my opinion. So why wait an entire year, you know, to delay That's that? Fair. The, start the, the uh, yeah, start the youth movement early. I think I want to note the post June one designation. I think a lot of people misunderstand that you can make it early, but you don't have that money until June second. Right. So it's not like you get extra space to do a bunch of different things in free agency or even sign your draft picks. You have to wait for that money until June 2nd. So I think people kind of misunderstand that as well. So all of that factors into it. And I think you bring up an interesting point, Caden. A lot of it is where does Howard Roseman think this team is right now? Are they a legitimate Super Bowl contender or is it time to turn it over and get that youth movement involved. Jody. And I'll, I'll uh, ask the same question differently by using a player as an example. People keep throwing on our stream, on my WIP phone lines, on my social media. Eh, we got to get Snead. You know, he's the Jerry Snead. The Jerry Snead best cornerback. He is I the best corner. He is the best corner, but. Right. But I just don't think he's going to become available. I think the, the Chiefs are going to franchise tag him. The argument against it is, well, and what the hell do you do with Chris Jones? You try and get Chris Jones signed without having to use the franchise tag. Now, it's a decision. You got to make the call. You got to go one way or the other. And they need to do this before the franchise date, which is one week from today. Last day, you can slap a franchise tag on somebody. Another interesting team, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They got Mike Evans, and they haven't been able to get a deal done with Evans, but they're still talking Evans. So all the guy does is go out and put up a 1,000 yards every single year. I know he's a little long on the tooth, but damn, he's Hall of Fame-level talent. Baker Mayfield. I, if you want to pay Baker Mayfield, somebody's got to be your quarterback. You did well by going out, grabbing him, and giving him a shot. You can just lock him up for a deal and put it in place and then maybe continue negotiating with him or Antoine Winfield Jr., who I think is the best player. Of those three, Winfield's the best player. But the other two play very important positions. If safety isn't as important in the league, for the Bucs, whatever else, if Antoine Winfield Jr. hits the open market, is that someone the Eagles would go, all right, top of the market guy, we desperately need an upgrade at that position. Would he be a guy that the Eagles would aggressively pursue? I think you'd at least look into it, like – like you said, I don't think that's you know happening. I think that franchise tag is getting slapped on Winfield. I think Evans is going to hit them open market, and whether he comes back is we'll have to find out where he goes. And then Mayfield, I think they'll get a deal done. So the chances of it happening is slim. But if you have a player of that magnitude, like for me, you know, the difference with Snead is like I have some questions whether Snead is uh, you know scheme dependent with you know um, Spagnola. I think Antoine Winfield is a really, really good player. I thought that when he came out in the draft. Phenomenal uh, player. Yeah, ph- yeah second-round pick. He's been incredible throughout his career. I mean, it's going to cost a ton of money to get that done. And my only thought on that is, um, you know, we've seen that, you know, the top safety on the market. I'm not saying, you know, Antoine Winfield isn't better than Jarius Bird or T.J. Ward, you know, at the time. But we've seen the Eagles go for that guy that isn't necessarily the – the number one safety or the number one edge rusher on the market, the guys who are the second, third, and fourth. And you got guys like Cameron Curl and Xavier McKinney and Jordan Fuller on this year's market. So I have a hard time believing that if he did become available, I think the Eagles would be interested. I just don't know if that his what he would ask, I don't know if how he would be willing to pay because I think he's going to break the bank 
I think he might be the, you know, once Tampa Bay, if they franchise tag him and resign him, he's going to be the highest paid safety in the league. Right. I just don't know if Howley will do that. By the yeah. way, I think there's a better chance that McKinney gets franchise tagged by the Giants than Winfield does by the Buck. I'm not saying McKinney's a better and player. I, I, I'm saying no. the Giants don't have anybody else to tag. Tampa, you could make an argument for two other guys to potentially tag. But so I, I go back, guys, I go back to scheme. All the, McKinney's a better fit for what the Eagles want to run. Winfield's a better player. But Winfield is that guy. Winfield is lines up in the box. He can play in the slot. He can play a third safety. He's almost like a rover. He can play. Do you, think, I, you think he couldn't cover? I think no, Winfield could do anything you ask him to do. I think he could do, but why do you want to waste a player playing cover quarters and cover two and cover? I mean, if you sign Antoine Winfield, use him like Antoine Winfield. The Eagles aren't going to do that. Same thing. We had this discussion with Kyle Hamilton, Caden, coming out of the draft. I was like, I that kid's amazing. And I got, luckily I got that one right. He wouldn't be amazing here. <laughs> They're just putting him in center field. Maybe he'd make a play occasionally. And you brought up a name I brought up at SI. If you're if if, if you're being realistic and you want the Eagles to to get players to fit their scheme, Jordan Fuller, man from the Rams. He's a good player. He's a he's a he's a free safety. He's a ball hawk. He spends all his time in center field, deep quarter, cover two. They play the same essential scheme. Perfect bit. It, 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 same thing we were talking about at corner. I don't want Legereus Sneed. That's why I'm saying maybe Vic Bangio can rescue James Bradbury. Jody brings up Rasul Douglas, and I, I don't think Rasul wants anything to do with Philadelphia anymore, but he's a great zone corner. Give me a zone corner. Give me somebody who excels in zone coverage. You talk to a lot of people about Vic Bangio. I think he can bang your head on what, uh, against the wall. Is he going to change from the people you talk to? Is he going to evolve? Is it going to be different? If you bring somebody in like Snead or Winfield, will he utilize them or will he stick them in his scheme? I think he will utilize them the vibe i got is that he's willing to um you know the from the players i'm talking former coaches that he does you know look at the strengths of certain players and he adapts in that way but i do think he is very you know i want to say he's definitely stubborn to the scheme he runs but he likes things a certain way and he, he teaches details a certain way he runs his defense you know a certain way and i thought um you know the one that stood out to me is i talked to former Eagle safety Quentin Dempsey, and he said when he arrived in Chicago, and this is you know eight seven years ago, so things could be different now. Um, you know, but we've seen you know some some ruffle between him and Dolphins players, and maybe he doesn't you know want to change necessarily. But the thing he said is that when he went there, you know he was used to playing coverage you know a certain way, and Vic wasn't really you know necessarily I'm just paraphrasing, not wanting to bend or on what you know. Demps was already used to or kind of adjust. And Demps at that time, he said, you know, he didn't buy into it. And he wishes he could go back and do it because he realizes, you know, how much success his fans has had and how much he could have helped his career in those latter stages if he just listened. But the the overall takeaway I got from the guys, you know, I talked to was that, like, you know, Vic does the things, you know, a certain way. 
you know, for his defense and for the players on, you know, that come in, I don't know if he's necessarily going to change his entire scheme. I think he will help them understand his scheme. I think he'll teach details to them. I think he'll do everything he can to get the most out of their strengths. But I think there is going to be a certain type of player that he likes and that he covets. And I don't think he's going to all of a sudden start running a bunch of press coverage and jamming, you know, wide receivers at the line of scrimmage and start sending a ton of blitz. I just don't think, you know, he's done that throughout his career and he's had so much success, you know, not doing it. So at this point, from the people I've talked to, I don't think he's going to switch. And that's why, you know, like a guy like Winfield might not make sense or Sneed or any of the other guys you mentioned. Caden, when the Eagles powers that be are made available to the media today in Indianapolis, how is Howie Roseman going to respond when asked, why did you grant permission to Son Reddick to go out and check the open market and see if there's a trade out there? How, how will Howie explain it without going, yeah, we're letting somebody else do our negotiating for us? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I guess for everyone who's going to be there today, they're going to have to find out. I, to be honest, don't, don't expect Howie to give much of an answer to that question. He's going to beat around the bush and try every way exactly. not to say that, you know, or not to give anything out there. But it looks similar to, you know, the Darius Slay situation kind of last year where they're letting him search for that contract. I mean, from what it looked like, Slay, you know, got close last year to going elsewhere. And then last second, you know, they got yeah. something done. So it was on his way to Baltimore. Yeah. Heading down I-95. Even tweeted about it. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's a little bit of that that situation. I just find it, you know, different and more unique because Hassan is still under thirty. He's still one of the elite edge rushers in the league, and and not to say Slay wasn't good at you know throughout most of last season, but we saw a little bit of a decline at the end of last year. He hasn't fully fallen off. He's still a good player, but this is a different situation, and it comes back to my thought: if you think this is a transition year for Howie Roseman, and you really don't believe that you are a Super Bowl contender and that you want to rebuild this roster for the next two or three years so that you can have a couple more runs with Jalen. You still believe in Jalen. You still believe in your overall franchise and you kind of want to do that transition. Then maybe you get rid of Hassan Reddick for, you know, if you get blown away with an offer. But if you believe that you're a contender, I find this you know, kind of odd that they're going to let him you know, at least look for another team or another deal. No, I agree with you. Uh, we used the phrase, probably overused the phrase, all in. It's more of a poker yeah. phrase than anything else. Push all your chips into the middle of the table. You can't let Hassan Reddick walk out the door and tell me you're all in. I'm sorry, you can't. If Howie yeah. Roseman tries to do that at any media session this year, I hope John McMahon calls him on the carpet for it. You're lying. If you let Hassan Reddick walk out the door, you cannot then turn around and say, yeah, but we're all in for a championship this year. No, you're not. Yeah, it's a difficult. So I'll end it there at Caden underscore Steel a nineteen. Make sure you follow Caden on X, uh, Twitter if you like to call it that. NJ.com does a great job with our buddy Chris Franklin and Bob Brookover covering the Eagles. Um, you, you mentioned that a couple of times, Caden. So I'm going to ask you to put on Howie Roseman's hat and. Where do you think the Eagles are? Do you think they should be going all in? Or do you think, nope, you know what? Um, we really got knocked down the peg. Nick Bosa's right. The league figured us out. We gotta we gotta take a step back to take two forward down down the line. Yeah. 
if I were to put on Howie's shoes, I would look at the roster and say, you know, we're not too far away in a sense. I still have A.J. Brown. I still have Devontae Smith. I still believe in, you know, Jalen Hurts and most of the offensive line core that we're developing. And we know uh, we're going to draft more offensive linemen, you know, in this year's draft and next year's draft to keep developing. I feel good about my offense, but my defense is not close to winning a Super Bowl currently. We're getting, you know, we're old in the secondary. We're getting old up front. We didn't get a ton of pass rush, you know, production last year. Um, we don't know what Jordan Davis will necessarily become. We don't know what Nakobe Dean will come. I think, you know, if you know, if I were Hallie, I'd view it as this defense needs a reset for the most part. And good thing, you know, they have Vic Fangio to help, you know, usher that. But I think they're a year away. I still think this team's a you know a playoff team next year, a wild card or a division winner. But you look at teams like Detroit and San Francisco, they're built so strong. I know Detroit's defense has got some questions about San Fran's defense. Um, Detroit's defense has some pieces. And the offense especially, they have so many weapons. I just don't see a world where you don't completely reset this defense where you're competing next year. I think if you go all in, I don't know if that necessarily fixes everything for the long haul. And I think if you look at the offense, you know you have young pieces – why not build up a young defense, you know, on the other side, like Kansas City has done for the last three or four yeah, years. And, and I helped when you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. So yeah. you know, <laughs> things are different. But uh, the cheat code, yeah, yeah, yeah. it helps. Patrick Mahomes cheat code. All right. Uh, last thing, King, did a good job. We're going to have you back on the show again. Thank you very much for doing this today. But, and it's February and it's cold out. I don't know. Are you a dog guy? It's McMullen, not that cold out today. McMullen yeah. and I have already been out. It's a little chill. It's February. It might but not be uh, Arctic February, but it's February. So we didn't expect you to do the show outside. <laughs> At some point, you, like Chris Franklin, are going to have to find a good outdoor spot to be able to broadcast when we get you on in the spring and the summer. And yeah, Chris, Chris goes outdoors, man. He Sometimes. does. And he's yeah. got birds in the background. We think they're eagles. We think <laughs> that they're mocking John and myself, kind of like our boy here, John Bell on Twitter, on our uh, feed. Uh, so in future reference, when the weather warms, we need you to guarantee us you've got a good outside spot to broadcast from. Can you make that commitment? Yeah, I can make that commitment. I got you're, you're in. You're done. You're no. done. You're going to be back with us again. Caden, uh, good job. Thank you very much. Thanks for hopping on. We'll talk to you again down the road. Thanks, Thank bud. You. Thank you. Caden Steele, NJ.com here with us on uh, Birds 365. All right, quickie timeout. Come back. There is one more issue I want to bring up with John McMullen. It's quasi-eagle related. It's related to all 32 teams. The fact that they're not going to make a rule change during this offseason and I think the NFL has, appropriately enough, fumbled the football. You'll find out what I'm talking about when we come back next year on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. 
One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Coming back to put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. Mac and Mac, guys. Um... John, it was reported in, in various outlets yesterday that the NFL is probably not going to do anything about changing their rules on fumbles that go out of the back of the end zone, the side of the end zone, whatever. They're fumbled in the field of play, but go out of play through the end zone. Why not? No it, problem with it. This is one we talked about this. I forget who we were talking about. I don't even understand this one. I really don't. Most of, I'm like, I don't know, maybe because it's been that way forever. I'm, I'm like, I don't get why people have such an issue with that one. I don't have Here's a what, problem I'll, with it I'll at try, all. I'll try and explain to you. Yeah. And I, I think it's actually pretty easy to, to understand. If you fumble the ball out at the six-inch line, you retain the ball at the six-inch line. If you fumble the ball and it goes six inches past the pylon and goes out of bound, the other team gets the ball and they get it at the 20-yard line. Why the massive difference in the outcome of where the ball is placed and who possesses the ball when we're talking about a foot difference on the field? Uh, because that's the, I, I mean, the, that's the rules of the game. You know that going in. It's like overtime, What's right? The, no, I, I understand the rules of the rules. What's the logic behind the rule? Why would you award a defensive team the ball a drastic decision to give them the ball, not only give it to them, but give them out at the 20-yard well, line? How far and they are we basically go? made the same defensive play one foot apart. 
if the ball goes out of the end zone, it's a touchback. How, 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 it doesn't matter in any circumstance. How, 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 how are we going to, 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 to define it as, again, there's some things like overtime, and I bring up overtime for a reason because they keep changing it, where they've changed it numerous times from the, you know, for years and years and years, it was sudden death. It was sudden death. It was sudden death. Then somebody didn't get to see Josh Allen because he's having a great, and they lose their mind. We got to see Josh Allen. We got, he's got to be able to get the football. And they changed the whole thing. And they change it in the regular season. They have a different rule. See, that's the kind of stuff I don't understand. It was sudden death. Is it completely, you know, to some teams not get the football? Yes. It's always been that way, but they change it, change it, change it, go back and forth. Now, here we are with a rule that's been in existence for as long as I've been covering the sport. It's never changed. Why? Why now? Why? Why? If if you're here's where if you're holding out the football at that six inch line and trying to get in the end zone, you know, that's part of the strategy of the game. Coaches teach you don't do it. Don't do it. You know, if we got the ball first and goal or four, even fourth and goal at the six-inch line, we'll take it rather than trying to stretch over. That's part of the things they talk. I don't get the problem with it. If you're if you're reaching the football and you make that dumb mistake and it's a mental mistake, yeah, I got no problem. You're penalized. Other teams football. Right. And here's how I would penalize. The football gets placed back to the 20. It's a touchback. But there doesn't necessarily have to be a change of possession. You're attempting to reach over. You're on that pylon. You're diving. The defense makes a nice play. They they get their hand on the ball. It goes out of bounds. You get to keep the ball, but you lose 20 yards. It Why? gets moved back out to the 20. The Why does there have to be a change of possession? Just because the rule has been the rule for 90 years? Well, why, it? Does it, why, logic? why does it have to change? Because... Uh, you're upset because I think that it was wrong to begin with. I think it's been wrong for 90 years. You're 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 awarding a team for an okay play with a much bigger prize at the end than you. Well, how about you're 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 knocking a team down for a dumb play, a mental mistake. You're giving the opportunity. And by the way, everything skews towards offense in this league. The defense gets a little bit. Maybe somebody punches the football out like Kansas City did. Uh, you know, Justin Jefferson did it once this year. I remember that one. That the defense makes a good play. Give them a freaking break for once. It's, it's a two-part play. Punch the ball out, recover the ball. If you don't recover the ball, then you don't get the big payoff. If the ball dribbles out of bounds but, that you made a half a big play, you're being overly rewarded for a half a big play. Everybody knows going in what the deal is. Defenders are trying to punch the football out on purpose because they know if they punched it out the six-yard line and they're near the, the end line and it trickles out, they know it's their football. Uh, uh, offensive players know it as well. And they're taught ad nauseum, do not reach for the pylon. Do not reach for the pylon. Unless you're going to get there, and if you're reaching, you better damn well get there. Uh, don't give them the opportunity. I got no problem with it. I mean, zero problem. It's just, you know what it is that bothers me. It, it doesn't bother me, but now that you're saying it, everybody just wants points. Screw points. 
It's been a part of the game. I don't care if 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 somebody wants to change it because their team got affected by a dumb play, whether it's a superstar like Justin Jefferson down to a, a meaningless player is maybe making a bad play that doesn't play that much. Who cares? Everything doesn't have to be about points. It's part of the game. It's been a rule. There's no issue with the rule. There's nothing. There's a hundred rules that are dumb with this league. And almost every one of them, Jody, is because they over-legislated and they overthought things and they changed things because people are complaining in the moment, like they complain with Josh Allen. And now you got coaches and players who don't even know the freaking overtime rules all because of Josh Allen didn't get the football and a bunch of, uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to give you my position. I don't give a flying part what anybody else says or anybody else thinks. I've been saying this is a dumb rule for my 30 plus years of broadcasting. I didn't come. I'm not a Johnny come lately because it happened to this team this year. And Oh my God, we got screwed. Let me suggest a rule change. I've been saying it for 30 plus years. I never and, saw a groundswell. I'm not saying you didn't. I never saw a groundswell until recently. Now I see it all the time. I never saw it before. Nobody had an issue with it. Yeah, I remember yeah. covering Amp Lee. Amp Lee did it in the playoff game. Nobody had an issue with it. They said, oh, that's a dumb play. What are you trying to do? Apparently, you weren't listening to Jody McDonald on WFAN in the 80s, because that's how long I've been saying this. And then to just dismiss it again doesn't mean that just because it's been in place forever that it has to be held. Well, uh, the good news for you, Jody, is they will eventually change it because the squeaky wheel gets the oil. And enough of these, and I'm not talking about you. you no, well, I want you years. to talk about me. If I need to be the squeaky wheel to get this changed, yeah, count uh, me in as the squeaky wheel. Because you know, this is one of the dumbest rules in the National it, Football League. It, it, it'll happen in the playoffs, and everybody will whine and cry and complain. Like the Cody crybabies in pro wrestling as WrestleMania gets to. But they, everybody complains about everything. Like uh, the trolls in the chat. Oh, suck it up. It's been that way. It's a rule. There's a bunch of rules. The offensive players know it. The defensive players know it. It's not like overtime. It's not like a rule they don't know. Everybody knows it. It's just a bunch of people who are complaining. We need more points. We need more points because we can't keep these morons attention level unless it's 45 to 40. Hopefully, Who cares? Hopefully, uh, Kyle Shanahan will alert his entire team about the rules if there is a change this year, which apparently there isn't but going to be shame on the National Football League. All right, uh, Mac and Mac, we're back again tomorrow. Yeah, we'll probably be talking about what Howie and Nick have to say. I'm back in 22 hours. You, Johnny Mac? Let's do it, Jody. McDonald and McMullen, Birds 365, back in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time.
on Birds 365. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code S-T-A-P-L-E, 2-0.